Bah, 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 bah. All I hear is ball, so I got a ball. All I do is win, but I had to fall the best part. Was getting up again, ball, ball, ball. All I hear is ball, so I got a ball. All I do is win, but I had to fall the best part. Was getting up again, waking up again, cause I was how with friends. We be Arctic in a frying pan. What's important, man? You want foil, man? Illuminate. And then distorted, man. I'm submerging in, it's a fact. Off the bench from the west side, for the west side, high echelon. Serving them like restaurants. Hey, same, same. We are not the same. Same, same, 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 we are not the same. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the ISO Podcast. We are back for season number two, covering this upcoming basketball season. A little bit different, peculiar, especially with the bubble and everything going around, but um, I got my guest with me. I got my boy RJ in the building, back for for round two. What's up? What's up? (laughs) Uh, What's up, man? You think you're going to do a little better this time? Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, I got got a little something, something. I mean, I, I, I love Last episode, you, you got you got me a little bit about the MVP, but you know I'm ready today. I know, right? That was like pretty much the only thing that that really stood out from the conversation we had the MVP race because it was so close. But we pretty much predicted the other shit right. Like all the other awards are pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we did a pretty good job of you know um, doing our due diligence and uh, selecting the award winners that actually end up winning anyway. Most definitely, most definitely. Well, look, you guys, we are back. We got a lot of stuff to cover this episode. Um, again, this is the, the first episode for the upcoming season. So season number two, we're pretty much going to do a complete rundown. Um, and we're going to talk about college. We're going to talk about pros. We got a lot to cover. But first things first, let's go ahead and start off with our birthday shout out. So first birthday, uh, former Duke product. Uh, I thought he was going to be better. Jalil Okafor. He actually just turned 25, but he looked like he 38. <laughs> oh, God, Jalil Okafor looked like he didn't been through 15 years in the league. <laughs> I think, like a, what is he, he's on the Pistons now, right? Yeah, he just got picked up by the Pistons on a one or two year deal. What do you think he's going to do over there? I think he's going to be a, a solid contributor, come off the bench, you know, backing up, uh, I think Plumlee might, might start, yeah, right? Plumlee. Plumlee might start, he might get some backup minutes, I think he's going to do all right. In a weird way, though, I feel like Jalil Okafor has always been kind of like sneaky productive. He just never like contributes to wins, I think. So it, it's kind of like, uh, I feel like Al Jefferson would have been like his best case scenario. Yeah. And then uh, second birthday shout out, we got Nicholas Batum. Batum just joined the Los Angeles Clippers this offseason. Um, so they're hoping that he can kind of bring a different dynamic to their team. But he just turned 32. I personally think Batum is washed. <laughs> but <laughs> Batum is definitely washed. He ain't been nice since Portland. I yeah, th- yeah. I, I agree. He had one decent year in Charlotte, but for the most part, he's just been injured. I think with with them too, like I don't know if another wing was necessarily the 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 thing they needed. I mean, of course, getting I guess it kind of fills a void because they got rid of Harkless, who I felt like they should have kept. So he gives them another yeah. long wing defender, but I don't, I don't think that was necessarily what they needed. I, what you think the Clippers needed after that? After we bust their ass in the uh, in the Western Conference, you feel me? After we got them the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think they 
I mean, I, I, I think for sure they needed some playmaking. I think for sure they needed playmaking and, um, like, post-presence. I need, I think they needed the post-presence. They filled that with a surge. So yeah, Ibaka. more so they need playmaking over wings. Definitely. All right, well, let's move on to the next birthday. It's another, damn, all these dudes signed new contracts except for one. Uh, Robert Covington, uh, next birthday shout-out we got. Robert Covington just turned 30. I've been talking about him uh, with my boys, with RJ, uh, pretty much this whole offseason. I feel like him going to the Portland Trailblazers was really big for them. I think he gives them a different dynamic that they haven't had on the perimeter. It gives them somebody who's physical, somebody who is not going to back down when it comes to guarding the team's opposing wing players. So I think he's going to do a lot for them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Great pickup by Portland. And then he can space the floor, too. So I think he's going to fit in nicely with them. They, they just don't never have no defense. So hopefully he can kind of give them some of that. Uh, they don't have shit on defense. <laughs> I think they was hoping Trevor was going to be that guy last year, but Trevor was washed too. Yeah, he wasn't fucking with him in the bubble either. Hell no. Nah, he wasn't trying to do that shit. Well, they weren't going to win, so I wouldn't have did it either. <laughs> Trevor said. And then uh, last birthday shout out we got is Lonnie Walker, the fourth guard for the San Antonio Spurs, who I've been really high on since he came into the league. But... Because the Spurs have like 15 guards on their roster, he hasn't necessarily had the room to shine the way I think he should. But I think, uh, especially with him only being 22 years of age, he got a bright future, super athletic. Um, what do you do? You think he's one of their better guards? You think he needs to go somewhere else? Uh, I definitely think he is one of the better guards, but I do think he he's gonna be uh, he's gonna end up somewhere else. Um, they committed to um, Vessel or Vassal? Vassell, yeah, the the guard. Uh, Derek White is pretty good. I don't think they're gonna be getting rid of him anytime soon. He kind of he kind of fits the what the Spurs try to do. Um, I think Lonnie Walker is good, but I just don't think he really fit the system well. I think so. He end up elsewhere. I agree too. I feel like you got to be a, a a robot or like a specific kind of player to to join the Spurs. I feel like the Spurs want you to be really good at one thing and just accept your role in that specific thing. Don't bring shit else to the table. If you're gonna play yeah. defense, don't shoot the ball, don't dribble, just play defense. And I feel like Lonnie Walker is one of those young guys that got a lot of raw talent. If you threw him in, like, Minnesota or something like that, he'll probably go crazy. Um, so yeah. I, I, I agree with you as well. Oh, they got DeJounte Murray, too. He's another one of them dudes that, that plays defense. He's going to be there for a while, too. I don't see him going anywhere no time soon. So moving on to some news. So first and foremost, we got some NBA news to get into, but we're going to start off with um, not sad because we're going to keep our hopes high, but I want to send prayers to um, – Florida forward Keontae Johnson. So the junior forward uh, suffered a – he actually collapsed in the game against Florida State uh, over the weekend. So right now he is – it says in stable condition but uh, also critical. And uh, he was medically induced into a coma today. So uh, just send prayers his way, positive vibes. Hopefully he can recover. He is a real, real big part of that Florida Gator team. Um, and just in general, somebody – that's a, a college basketball star. You never want to see anything happen to anyone, but this is definitely something that kind of shook the college basketball landscape over the weekend. So we just want to make sure he's good um, and hopefully he can shake back and, you know, recover and get back on the court and do what I know he loves doing. Yeah, definitely. Praise up for, um, for the young man, for sure. Moving on to some NBA news. So we're just going to take a look at some of the scores from last night's game. So right now we're recording – you know, obviously a day before. So all these games aren't final yet. But we got some that kind of kind of went final a little early on the East Coast. So we'll start off with the uh, the Hornets. So the Hornets have, have quietly been like an a entertaining team to watch since they got this new player in the draft, 
goes by the name of LaMelo Ball. We talked about him a lot on this podcast, um, and he's brought a lot of flair already within his first two games. Now, they've lost both, but he damn sure has some highlights in both of these games. What do you think about what you've seen so far from LaMelo? Uh, so far, um, I definitely see the playmaking, um, and I feel like it's amplified a little bit more because I feel like he was more of a scorer growing up. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like the playmaking is, is uh, definitely set him apart from the, his rookie class. He definitely making the impact. I feel like he should be inserted into that starting lineup. And if he continues uh, with this uh, this type of impact, I think he will um, by the uh, December 20, 22nd start date. As much as I want to see him start, and I feel like I'm kind of on – everybody wants to see him shine because we all want to see big baller brand succeed. <laughs> but yeah. with LaMelo, I personally don't think he's ready for that starting role yet. Um, in his first game, he didn't score. And not the scoring is everything. And, is you know, it's his first NBA game. So, of course, it's going to be a little bit different. But I think when the regular season kicks up and the defense intensifies, I don't know if he's ready for that yet. I still think he needs to kind of hone in on his on his uh, fundamentals. Uh, just because this isn't – it's not high school no more. So, you can't, you know, shoot from half court. I think he's going to be a baller just because he has the talent and I know he can score. He's a streaky shooter, so he's going to have some nights where he he goes off. But I think if you throw him into the fire a little too early, you kind of run the risk of seeing the same shit that happened to Lonzo in his rookie year of getting his confidence damaged. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you right there. But um, I do feel like um, the combination of Graham and Rozier, uh, not really effective. It, I don't really think it makes sense. I, I feel like they are the same player. Uh, Rozier is a little bit bigger, but I feel like you just kind of got to, you know, he's the number three pick. You got to, you got to let him learn. And the best way to learn because of what's happened in the pandemic, of course, uh, is just by playing and getting more experience. I feel like he should play a little bit more minutes right now. He's averaging about 17 minutes in the preseason. He should uh, definitely get a little bit more go. I think that's more the reason too, why they probably aren't throwing him into the fire like that. Cause he hasn't had a full training camp, like a normal NBA schedule to work with the season being, you know, such a quick turnaround. Because uh, I noticed Anthony Edwards came off the bench, too. And Mike uh, Malik Beasley played solid at the end of last year, but I don't know if they intend on him being their long-term option. And if they had a full training camp, I don't know if Malik Beasley would have been the starter in that first game. Um, but but it would be interesting. I think I think LaMelo Ball is definitely going he, – he's going to prove some people wrong. I seen a report this week that said he just grew to 6'8". You believe that? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I can kind of see it. I can, I can see it on the court. He looked pretty, pretty tall out there, actually. And he, he, d- he, he does. I was thinking like six, seven, but I seen a, I seen a clip on YouTube, um, where he went back to his mom's old school where she used to work and he had the whole family there and he looked like the tallest brother. Like he was standing next to Lonzo, Jello and all of them. He was, he was, he looked tall. But yeah. in this game, he went three for 10, two for six from the three point line, scored 12 points tonight. Um, and they only lost by three points to the Toronto Raptors, so they lost to a score of 112 to 109. Um, and on the opposite side, Fred Van Vliet was the leading scorer with 23 points. He went five for seven from three, probably trying to prove the naysayers wrong after they disrespected him in that ESPN Top 100. <laughs> Everybody should feel disrespected from them rankings. We ain't even going to touch on that shit, though. Yeah. I don't know who ESPN got working over there evaluating talent. Yeah, they were just trying to cause steal some drama. That's literally all it is. It's, it's got to be. Uh, on the West Coast, well, East-West matchup, the New Orleans Pelicans knocked off the Miami Heat to a score of 114-92. to 92. Uh, Zion went crazy in that game, and Brandon Ingram had a crazy poster that I saw before we started recording. 
He went baseline and caught like caught a caught a body. You're gonna see it on, on TV later on tonight for sure. <laughs> uh, but Zion led the way with 26 and 11. Brandon Ingram chipped in with 22 points. And on the opposite end, uh, Tyler Hero led the Miami Heat with 17 points in a losing effort. A um, few more games on the slate as well. The Utah Jazz right now are in a close one with the Phoenix Suns to a score of 35 to 32. Um, the Mavericks are leading the Bucks 95-93. The Grizzlies are up on the Timberwolves 101-77. And the Cleveland Cavaliers knocked off the Indiana Pacers 116-106. So that's the NBA games from last night. Um, if you're listening here on Tuesday when the episode drops, full not a full slate of games, but we got three upcoming for tonight. Uh, Celtics versus the 76ers, that should be a pretty nice one. They usually play each other pretty tough. Spurs and Rockets, another one of those West Coast matchups. They got a lot of history. And Warriors and Kings, we should be able to see uh, Steph get into a rhythm against the sorry-ass Sacramento Kings. <laughs> so take a look out for that. Um, news, news, news. We got some stories in the NBA. So first and foremost, Kyrie Irving. He's, uh, he's talking to the media today after um, being fined. Look, the, the, the thing he said, <laughs> did you hear what he said when they, they asked him about the fine? No, what did he say? So in the interview today, so they, he, he kind of mentioned, because when he didn't speak to the media the other day, he referred to him as, as pawns. <laughs> so he just disrespected everybody in media. But when, he, um, when they asked him about it, he said, hopefully they can use that money and uh, pretty much use it for like some of the families in need. <laughs> Like, you know damn well you got an obligation to the media, but <laughs> he didn't do it. That's a, that's a nice way to flip it, though. That's definitely a yeah. nice way to flip it if you know you should have been there. <laughs> Kyrie a diva for sure, but, like, on the court, you know what I mean? All that stuff go out the window, and he one of the, one of the uh, best players in the game for sure. We got a new nickname alert. He mentioned uh, him and KD as 7-Eleven, so I guess that's the, the what they going by. That shit kind of weak. <laughs> yeah. 7-Eleven. <laughs> Yeah, that shit is weak. Don't nothing but bums and crackheads hang out at 7-Eleven. <laughs> um, move, moving on to some more NBA news. We got James Harden. He is back at practice. Um, according to head coach Steve Silas, him and James Harden had a good talk about the upcoming season. Um, there's been a lot of reports circulating about James Harden possibly being moved after requesting a trade. Um, and uh, the Rockets have tried to reshape the roster. They brought in uh, DeMarcus Cousins. They brought in John Wall. Um, and hopefully they was banking on all three of those players kind of forming a, a powerhouse in Houston and moving forward. But James Harden has still said he wants to leave. He still wants out. Um, so despite him being back at practice, I don't know if we'll be seeing James Harden in a Rockets uniform much longer. Um, you got anything you want to add on this? Uh, I think, you know, the Houston Rockets should save themselves the time and uh, get acquainted with a new player. And just get <laughs> the deal done. Really? Just get, it done. just get it done. You think it's a done deal like that? Yeah, he gotta get. He not. He not happy. He still demanding the trade. Uh, he don't really have much leverage. Uh, he got a couple years left on his contract, so I would do what's in the best interest for myself. He getting paid. He getting his money. He gave a lot to the franchise, uh, but you know he not really giving them many options to work with. So despite the, despite I know they haven't won anything since he's been there, but do you think he's done enough for the Rockets organization sh- to do what his request is? Like, he has to be traded. Do you think James Harden has done enough for Houston to where they should be able to honor his wishes? Yeah, but I feel like they, they got to they gotta play it smart because these teams are, are – these teams have more to leverage because they know he want to go out and the players that they're requesting, they're trying not to include him. They're not trying to include Tyler Hero for some odd reason. They're not trying to include Ben Simmons. 
You know what I mean? You got to give up somebody to get a player like James Harden. Of course. Like these teams, you know, let him play a little bit. Let him play in the preseason, show him that he's healthy or whatever. And the other teams are going to see that they need him and, you know, do whatever they got to do to to get a player like James Harden. So right now the the ball is in the other team's court and the Houston to get it back in there. I kind of understand the other team's strategy, though. When you okay, so the teams that he said he wants to go to, he's mentioned Brooklyn. He's mentioned uh, Philly. Uh, Miami has also been a destination, pretty much all the destinations where anybody would want to be. Um, but those teams are all like contenders or at least gearing up their roster to contend this season. So to kind of throw all that away for James Harden to come over, I understand why they wouldn't want to commit to that because once his contract is up, even though it's not, you know, anytime soon, they may be able to get him for nothing as opposed to trading away all their young talent to get him over. Now it, We've seen the, the New Orleans Pelicans trade away their young talent, you know what I mean, and or the Lakers, I, I mean, they traded away their young talent to get Anthony Davis, and that resulted in a championship. Do you think James Harden is that type of player to where if you flip, let's say, your whole potential future to get somebody back like him, it would amount to wins immediately? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think he'll make an impact wherever he go immediately. They'll be uh, considered a contender. I wouldn't know. I'm not going to say that they win a championship because uh, you need – you know, you need a post presence. You need defense. Um, you need a lot of different things to to get to a championship. But for sure, he he definitely that caliber of a player. And he, I think he's still in the in a, in the middle of his prime. So you, you definitely got to do whatever you can to get a player like him. And if Milwaukee is trying to keep Giannis, they got to do whatever they got to do because he, they got he mentioned to. him as a destination too. And uh, I don't know why he did like him. And I really don't see him and Giannis making a great uh, pairing. But yeah, I don't know if that'll be the I don't I don't know. Maybe Giannis would be best off the ball because Giannis has never really had like a a really dynamic playmaker with him to where he can kind of play off the ball sometimes. I feel like that's been his Achilles heel that teams know that he's going to have it. He can't shoot if they trap him, you know, in the playoffs and make it to where somebody else has to beat him. They lose. So maybe having somebody like James Harden would give him that that, you know, that score on the perimeter that can do a little bit more than uh, Chris Middleton. But um, either way. If you had to make a pick, where do you think he'd land? Um, I, I got, I'm going to say Philly first, and then I got Miami second. I said, I said Brooklyn. I think I'm going to stick with Brooklyn. I think I'm going to stick with Brooklyn. The only reason, the only reason I say Miami uh, is not high on the list, because I feel like they got the most assets, is because um, I feel like they got a system, they got a culture, and I don't believe that they, 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 they're really buying in or they'll believe that he's going to buy into the culture. Yeah. The, the type, because of the antics that they've, that they already like displayed, you know, uh, to this point. So I feel like that's not a Miami heat thing. I feel like they, they got a, uh, they, they not, they got like a no BS tolerance policy type stuff. For sure. So I feel like that's not going to work in Miami. And that, that's probably why a lot of these teams are just throwing, you know, crumbs out for James Harden, because it's like he could potentially damage our, you know, our, our culture here. So maybe let's not give out everything. And if they accept this shit, we got James Harden plus our young talent as opposed to just fully buying in and he might come in and, you know, reverse some of the progress that's already been made. So we'll see what happens, man. Last news story of the day before we get into these topics. It's a sad day, man. Real sad day. So I came in here excited. Me and RJ, we got the news earlier this week that Leangelo Ball was signed to an NBA team. The Detroit Pistons took a chance on him. They invited him. To, what, was it training camp or was it just like a 10-day deal? What contract was he on? It was a non-guaranteed uh, one-year deal. 
Okay, and that shit lasted for about 72 hours. He is already... <laughs> Poor Leangelo, man. So Jello, it just, he can't catch a break. When he was at UCLA, and even though he wasn't really the highest-ranked prospect, he got to UCLA, went to China, stole some glasses, career over. Then he bounced around overseas, played in the JBA. He's been playing everywhere, and he somehow found a way onto an NBA roster basically off just a high school resume. A three-star prospect landed in the NBA. I don't know how it happened, but I'm mad that it lasted so short. He didn't even get to touch the floor. I wanted him to get some action. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I did. Uh, I'm going to credit his dad, LeVar, you know, uh, for getting his other two sons in the league and, you know, working out some sort of deals. I think I think the deal probably came about because Detroit was interested in LaMelo. They were trying to trade up for him on draft night, and they probably did a workout with both of them. That was part of the deal for, I guess, Detroit to even get in on the workout. And then they invited him because he probably had a good workout for him. And I guess he rolled his ankle and he got cut. Man, that sucks. Just from rolling the ankle. And, and LeVar Ball is already at it. He already caught the Detroit Pistons raggedy. He said the whole organization raggedy. And wait till the, the, his three boys is all on one team. It's going to be the greatest show on earth. And he said hopefully it happens in Charlotte. So Michael Jordan, make it happen. <laughs> Hey, he said, Michael Jordan, he said, the one-on-one, we can make it happen for 200 mil right now. I wonder if Jordan be talking to him, like, <laughs> now that his son play for him. Jordan ain't said not one word to that man. Michael Jordan fucking around, take that shit really personal based off the Last Dance documentary. <laughs> hey, he ain't got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose in Charlotte. He get them three boys and Finn's able to come back. I guarantee they sell, sell more tickets than they ever have. Facts. Michael Jordan to fuck around and, and give LeVar buckets with a cigar in his mouth just on a, just for talking greasy. <laughs> so moving on, moving on to the topics of the day. So today's episode, we're going to do a little bit different. First episode of season two. Um, we're going to start off with three quarters today. Now, we got a lot to get into in the last quarter, being that it's going to be pretty much the season preview episode. And in that last topic, we're going to talk about some of the award winners that we think we're going to see. Um, so just like last time, our picks for the uh, awards were pretty solid, so we intend on doing the same thing. So in that final quarter, it may take a little bit longer, so we're just going to condense the episode down to three, um, and we're going to get you guys these topics and give you this information in a timely manner. So in the first topic, we're going to talk about the NBA uh, bubble, talk about some breakout players, and just overall how that worked out last season going into this campaign. In the second quarter, we're going to talk about some college basketball uh, just some things we've been seeing pretty early on in the season, some standout players, as well as what to expect for the upcoming season. And then again, in the final quarter after halftime, uh, we'll kind of discuss just the NBA season and what to expect from some of the top teams, some of the top players, and um, some breakout guys as well. So uh, you ready to get into it? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. He ready, he ready. We're going to see if he ready, man. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going for the win. I got I to gotta get him back considering I lost that bet, y'all. If you if you haven't checked my Instagram, you can go see the bet that I lost. I had to wear this bum ass Danny Green jersey that that I had to buy too. On top of that, just because the Los Angeles Lakers bust my Denver Nuggets ass, I'm kind of willing to. I'm, I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm not gonna fully commit, but if we match up against y'all again in the postseason, we might be ready. All right, man. It's, it's gonna be a little worse for you if if if, if we got if we got to run another bet back. So I don't think so, bro. Dwight Howard was was a big difference maker in that in that uh, in that that series. And Montrez Harrell, you saw what we did to him. So that's who y'all got now. <laughs> hey, he on a different team with a different uh, defensive scheme. So we ain't we ain't worried about we ain't worried about it too much. 
we definitely will be locked in this season to see what happens. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into topic number one. And we are talking about the NBA bubble. Thank you guys for staying locked to the ISO podcast, the number one podcast for true basketball fans. Welcome to quarter number one, everybody. We are talking about the NBA bubble, and we got pretty much a lot to discuss just for this upcoming season, because now we have such a quick turnaround. The NBA season, I feel like it just ended like a month ago. The NBA draft, everything was accelerated and just condensed. So now we got a new season, but a full season that we have to kind of look forward to with COVID-19 kind of in place. So for me, I was already skeptical last year that the the season wouldn't finish and I'm glad that it did but I definitely have my doubts for this year especially considering now we've been able to see how all other sports have been operating under the pandemic um so kind of give your thoughts a little bit on that like what do you think do you think the season will kind of go smooth you think we'll see some hiccups uh I definitely think we'll see some hiccups um it's just inevitable uh, at this point uh the the spread has been out of control has been uncontrollable so hopefully the vaccine helps out a bit because i think the players have to take it but they can choose they can opt not to um with the with the new league policy so i think uh, it's gonna go pretty smooth uh they're, they're trying to get uh, a 15 player roster so that'll help them out for sure uh i don't think it's gonna make a huge impact when, when you know some players are impacted unless it's like it's an outbreak or a spread but i think it's a little bit more easier to control than other sports because it's only about 10 to 15 guys and about maybe 10 coaches or so. So I think it's going to go pretty smooth for the most part. I think they'll get through the season. One of the good things too with, with the NBA, they've already successfully did it. And it was amazing how they pulled it off. Like for them to be the first organization to kind of have to take it head on and the way they did it and how well it was handled. Um, it definitely was a, a, a model of success on how to handle professional sports in the pandemic. And I thought it would be a lot different you know, not having fans in the stands, but so far watching preseason and definitely watching the the playoffs last year, playoffs was probably one of the more entertaining ones that I've ever watched. Yeah, I agree. Um, without the fans, uh, I think the players can just kind of lock in on the game more, so it, it kind of creates a better product for, for, for the fans because they're not really worried about distractions. It's just, you know, pure basketball, and everybody gets to see, like, the true talent in all of these players, because sometimes they could be affected by by the crowd. And um, I seen Damian Lillard talk about how easy it was for them because they didn't have to travel. They had their recovery. Uh, they were able to 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 give their best performances, and I think it, the bubble was a result of that. So, and it's crazy too because you hear somebody like Damian Lillard say that, but then on the flip side, you hear somebody like LeBron James say the exact opposite. LeBron said this is. Well, he said he's been on, what, two of the hardest championships in NBA history when they came back from 3-1 against the Warriors, of course. Um, And he also said, uh, you know, in the bubble, the time, how difficult it was being away from your family, being away from the world. Do you think this was one of the toughest championships in NBA history? Uh, I think uh, with the circumstances of, you know, being away from your family during a a, a pandemic, I think for sure that kind of... um, made things a little bit more difficult because uh, you just never know. And you got to be there for your family. And anything happened, you got to leave the bubble and you also let your teammates down. So I think that goes into it. But also, 
you know, uh, not having the fans, not having that extra, uh, that extra push to, to, you know, play that extra defense or, um, when you're down 20 to come back and surge back from a for sure. without a crowd, that's difficult. So I definitely see where he's coming from. And I also see where De- Damian Lillard's coming from, from the performance aspect. And then from LeBron James, from the mental aspect of it, I, I think it's a lot tougher. Hell yeah. But let's talk about some of the product on the floor. So let me commend the Lakers. I- I- I'll commend the Lakers on this. I- I'll come in and I'll say it. First off, they won the championship. So let's get them a round of applause for winning the championship. You can go ahead and have your moment. <laughs> Go ahead and have your moment. Matter of fact, we need more. You got a speech? Bro, I'm ready. Look, (laughs) after the whole season, you would send me a text message like, y'all can't, y'all ain't got no shooting. Y'all can't win a championship. Y'all can't beat us in the playoffs. Y'all can't do this. Any game, and this was even after we beat y'all. This was after we beat y'all in Denver. Y'all. You would text me, that shit ain't gonna work in the playoffs. Yeah. Bro. We beat y'all ass 5-1. It was a tough series. It was a tough series. Y'all ain't fucking win five games. 5-1. <laughs> we beat y'all ass 4-1 in five games. It was easy. Easy work. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all, y'all ready. I mean, y'all might be ready in a year or two, but right now, you know what I'm saying, y'all got to give it up to the, to the champs. We may go back to back on them. AD you know hitting that three took our soul. That was the game. We, I think that changed the whole series. I mean, I feel like we was playing a bad game. I just feel like we was playing a black a bad game. I felt like that was a game that the Lakers probably could have had they 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 crowd in. Yeah. And Anthony Davis being the superstar that he is made the shot to, you know, give us past the hump. But at the end of the day, I don't think y'all would have been in the game had circumstances been different. Like, hey, we've been at the crib. Game two, we would have we would have blew y'all out for sure. Like, hey, Mason Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant botched on the switch, both of their asses out of <laughs> We packed both of their asses up out of Denver. Hey, hey, Tory Craig, you get your bum ass out of here too. <laughs> we yeah, packed them yeah, all yeah. up. So hey, Jeremy Grant was—he did—he did solid. No, nah, Jeremy Grant played hard. I couldn't commit to the to the money that he was getting, but he he held it down. Like, I he, wish he we would have. I wish we would have kept him, man, because I mean, I don't—I don't think things are gonna go better for him in Detroit. Like he's not like that. Like he's good within the team concept. Other night he won like one for ten. Hey, but you got to get the bag, though, bro. You got to. You got to get the bag. I can't. I can't count. I can't count. I wouldn't win a championship. We got this bitch on lock for the next two, three years anyway. So, but with with the Lakers, that's one of the things too. All jokes aside, I wanted to commend the Lakers on how difficult it must have been to be the aggressor every time they stepped onto the floor. Like they played with the same aggressiveness as the Miami Heat, who were like an underdog. You know, they were a lower seeded team. And without that home court advantage, you kind of seeing how the Miami Heat were able to to just kick the 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 Milwaukee Bucks the fuck out of town. Like they were able to just wipe them out. They had their number. They didn't. The crowd, the crowd would have had a bigger impact had Milwaukee been at home. You know what I mean? If it was just a regular season, but being that the pandemic happened, they were in a bubble. They didn't have nobody to save them, so they just they couldn't figure it out. So for the Lakers to be able to kind of you know keep their foot on everyone's neck. Y'all beat did y'all beat y'all beat everybody four one huh, or the Heat got two. The Heat got two, yeah. Heat got two, but for that, for even still, for you guys to just go out and dominate the way y'all did, being the higher seed without home court advantage, the the Lakers deserve a lot of credit for that. But y'all didn't stop because I feel like me personally, I think the Lakers have had the best off season uh, of of shit twenty twenty. I don't I don't know if anybody has had a. a for y'all to win the championship and then come back and reload the way y'all have, it's scary. You saying a, a repeat is definitely not out of the question. 
Yeah, I, I think they played with a tip on their shoulder because they, they heard all the naysayers and all the doubt throughout the year and then how bad they performed in the bubble during the, the seeding games. Mm-hmm. Um, they they just they just used that as fuel, and I credit the coach a lot because he got the, uh, the the defensive mindset, and uh, a lot of players bought it, and I feel like LeBron James got a newfound respect for Frank Vogel yeah. and uh, his, his uh, whole philosophy as a coach. Like, I really think that the players bought in, and um, of course, you know, him and AD holding each other accountable on the defensive end uh, made an impact too. But like, I think that a lot of they had a lot to prove. Uh, LeBron had a lot to prove because he did what what he did through the trade. AD did what he did through the trade. LeBron was mad about not winning MVP too. Nobody won. We didn't get any accolades, and we had one of the best teams in the league. We didn't get none besides first team All NBA, and I think we should have got some sort of consideration for most of the awards except like six man or some shit. I feel like the the league does that, though, to give smaller market teams something to kind of be proud of. Like, I think Giannis won an MVP, and he won Defensive Player of the Year, too. I think that kind of has something to do with it, because I feel like Anthony Davis was clearly the Defensive Player of the Year last year. I mean, I just I just feel like this, that I can't really say the league. I, I, it's the, I feel like it's the reporters and stuff like that, and they don't necessarily get paid by the league to, to make their choices. Mm-hmm. I just think that I think that they are... The, the in the beginning the narrative for the Lakers was that they was missing this they was missing that they was missing that and then a lot of the fans were kind of you know harping at those people that said those things as we continue to prove ourselves as being one of the better teams in the league mm-hmm. and I felt like they didn't really want to admit to that or really want to give the, the credit to where it was due and a lot of people you know had some animosity towards us and our success and they, they chose to vote the other way because no way LeBron James should have had he shouldn't have lost the MVP by that large of a margin. I yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was a close race for sure. But um, yeah. as far as the bubble last year, before we, because I know this episode in the last quarter, we're going to talk about, you know, the upcoming season. But as we put the, the I guess, the ribbon on last season, so to say, uh, what are some of the, the big moments that you kind of held on to from the bubble? Like, what would you kind of always remember when you think about that season? Um. First, the championship, you know, I got to put that out there. You know, I'm, I'm going to remember that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to remember how some of our uh, role players stepped up, like Rondo. Rondo, yeah. you know, he, he, um, you know, I had a lot of, you know, bad things to say about him throughout the season, but in the playoffs, he, you know, he stepped up for us, and I thought he was really huge. I thought Alex Caruso was uh, very, very impactful, and uh, Anthony Davis really showed that he was, uh, it, whether he was a top five player or not, like he showed that he was a top three player because of how his versatility. He showed that on I both sides. Like in my opinion, he showed that he was better than Giannis, and when Giannis kind of took the took the throne for the last two years or so, he showed that he was better, more versatile, and just a better leader um, defensively and offensively in the playoffs. And he showed that he could hit all shots. He could score from three levels, and he was uh, a threat from three levels throughout the playoffs. We can say we. I mean, you can't lie though. I have. Say, I did say that AD was y'all best player. I said AD is the player y'all go to when y'all needed a shot, and AD is going to be the most likely person to protect the rim when somebody's going to the paint in a pivotal moment. So he he stepped up, and I, my only question was, I didn't know if he was ready to be that top dog on a team that good, and clearly he proved me wrong. Um, I think if you you say AD is a top three player. I mean, I don't know how I can say he isn't, you know, based off the way he just plays. So I understand that. Some of the big moments I'm going to remember because my team didn't fucking make it. We didn't make it all the way. I am going to remember how we packed the Clippers up, though. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) I am going to remember how everybody, man, Twitter, Instagram, everything was so lit. 
after we <laughs> after we bust that, they still ain't been right. Paul uh, yeah. Paul George and Doc Rivers still going at it right now. Oh yeah, they got some PTSD from that one. PTSD, but they they low key even in the first round, Luca hit that game winner against them. The pen. De- Devin Booker hit the game winner against them in the seeding games. Like they had a badass run. <laughs> yeah, they they was in the bubble uh, slacking for sure. Uh, and I think I think you know just to to uh, to go off of what you were saying about the Clippers, I think that they just need to hold themselves accountable. Yeah. Uh, Paul George wasn't really doing that. I felt like uh, Paul, uh, what's his name had a quick little soundbite uh, where he was taking accountability. Kawhi Kawhi Leonard. And yeah. Paul George, you know. He, Finger pointing. Just take that accountability, bro. Like you're a Nike athlete, you're a shoe signature shoe guy. For real. Just be like, you know what? Uh, I didn't play play well. I needed to play better. The bubble was difficult for me, but we're gonna come back next year. I think he does that that shit though because I think Paul George realizes he's starting to kind of that's starting to become like the knock on him, and like Mm -hmm. you you don't want that to be on you as a player. Of course, I mean you still got to go out and play at the end of the day. So regardless of how people perceive you, that's not really that important. But it kind of is because when you're a professional athlete, your image is your brand, you know. So he just signed that big contract, but you go out here and you have another dud playoffs. And I think it all started when his ass called himself Playoff P a few years back because ever since then, he ain't really did shit in the playoffs. He had some successful moments in the playoffs on the East with the Pacers. But after that, when he joined OKC, it just seemed like in the playoffs, the moment keeps seeming too big for him. And I hate to say that because it sounds cliche, but it, it literally shooting s- shots on the side of the backboard, bro, in a game seven <laughs> like that. You can't do that, man. You yeah. can't. And then um, yeah. another thing with the bubble, too, I kind of just wanted to acknowledge some of the breakout players. Um, Devin Booker, for sure. I think he's next up. Michael Porter Jr., Yo Guy, KCP, Tyler Hero, TJ Warren. I feel like those guys did the most for themselves in the in the bubble. Of course, you had a lot of guys who stepped up. When if you look at like Portland, Gary Trent Jr., it was a lot of guys who played yeah. well. But I think those five that I just named are probably, I would say, those were my breakout players who really, really stepped up and made a name for themselves on the biggest stage. Yeah, I, I got uh, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell on there as well, and I put uh, Trey Burke for having a couple good games. But uh, Trey Burke did, everybody. yeah, Trey Burke and did have Bobo, a Bobo, Bobo for sure, Bobo for sure. Show players, show people that he belong in the league for sure. So I'm glad people got to see the Nuggets ball though, because I feel like a lot of people don't watch us and they had their perceptions of how we are. But you got to see us on a on a on the biggest stage, you know what I mean? And we made it to the Western Conference Finals with a pretty young squad. So I like the future that's uh that that we got coming up, and I hope R.J. Hampton can pan out for us because I ain't been high on him. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. For um. For this one, too, kind of one last thing I want to touch on before we move on to quarter number two, uh, just the offseason a little bit. So let's talk about in between. So end of that season, now we're looking at the offseason going into this next campaign. Um, what would you say is – I know we talked about the Lakers being one of the bigger winners of the offseason. Who else did you think had a good offseason and who you think had a bad offseason? Uh, well, who I think had a good offseason, I'm going to go with Philly. I'm going to go with uh, Portland. And Atlanta, those those teams uh, made themselves a lot better, uh, I believe. In my yeah. opinion, I think that they are a little bit more competitive, <laughs> and they they got a chance to to go at least another round further than they did this past season for sure. Um, I feel like Philly shored up the shooting. They got some toughness inside uh, with uh, defensively with Danny Green and Dwight Howard. They got uh, I feel like they stole uh, Seth Curry. Seth, from, uh, yeah. Dallas, which, a career forty-four three-point, uh, a career forty-four percent three-point shooter. Uh, 
definitely going to stretch the floor. And I felt like he was a threat and kind of opened up a lot of things for, for the offense. I definitely feel like... Uh, That's what they needed. ...step back by letting him go. So, uh, yeah. So, Portland, for... They, they showed up the, uh, the defense. I feel like they got... Um, they getting Rodney Hood back, but they picked up Robert Covington. They got uh, a little bit low post presence. Um, and Harry Giles been playing well for them, too. The, uh, defense, but in, yes, answer, answer. Yeah, so I think for sure them. But the teams that I say that they definitely lost, Dallas for letting Steph Curry go. Uh, Seth Curry, my bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, the Kings got worse for losing Bogdan for nothing. I felt like they should have matched that deal and then traded him. Whether they were overpaying him or not, they should have matched and traded him to a team that needed him. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the season, I feel like teams would have felt like they needed a shooter. And it would have been a little bit more desperate and they could have got something for him. So letting him go for nothing, that's a big L. Um, and then Houston trade. I feel like Houston, um, they they, they kind of doing themselves a disservice by like by like just going off of what they're hearing or these narratives. They, they rushing things. Like I feel like they traded Russell Westbrook um, and he had a. I felt like he had a great season up until the bubble. Yeah, um, the only I reason agree. he came back and looked as bad as he did is because I really truly feel like he was hurt, but he really wanted to help his team. Uh-huh. Um, but he definitely uh, didn't help himself in the bubble because he was hurt. He got COVID. There was a lot of different things that, that factored into that. But the biggest mistake that they made before all of this was trading Clint Capella, trying to go small. Yeah, they got their ass whooped in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, but I really feel like John Wall, Westbrook are. Uh, the same player. They didn't really get better. Yeah. I feel like they also took a risk on John Wall because they're paying him that much that they may not get the product, the production that they're hoping for. Because he, he looked good though. The same player. He, he looked, looked good, good right now. Two, he looked good in the first two preseason games, but I feel like they're gambling. And then the the trades that they're trying to you know trying to get they're trying to get Ben Simmons, which is another point guard that can't shoot the bar or stretch the floor. Yeah. For James Harden. Like, I feel like that don't make sense either. Like, they're going to have John Wall and James Harden, <laughs> and they pay John Wall $40 million a year. Yeah. Like, they definitely took a step back. They still going to be a, a somewhat competitive team, but they definitely got to uh, do their due diligence on, on uh, the trade for uh, James Harden. But they definitely give him this respect um, as far as, you know, putting him on a competitor. But uh, they got to they gotta make sure that they play that right because they, they lose him right now. I think the um, some of the teams you named, I feel the exact same way about the Hawks. I definitely think they made their team better getting Daniel Gallinari, Bogdanovich, uh, Rondo. Um, another name you didn't even mention that I feel like was good for them, maybe not a star player, but I like the Chris Dunn pickup. I think he's quietly one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's just never been healthy, and he's never played meaningful minutes in the playoffs. But Chris Dunn could, could clamp up with the best of them. Um, and then, of course, they added some size with Big O, and they still had Capella. Um, I was torn between the the Pelicans, the Sixers, and the Suns. I think the Suns had the best offseason of the three. Um, and getting CP3, of course, that was the, the big piece. But Jay Crowder, too, was a nice pickup. So you get them, you know, some veteran leadership, a guy who just came from the finals. So you get, you know, you get that presence down there. He's going to be able to hit an open shot. He's going to play defense. And you just bring that winning pedigree to a team who hasn't seen a lot of success. Um, and then they got the rookie out of Maryland, too, Jalen Smith, who can stretch the floor and block some shots. So I think they were good. Um, I, the reason why I kind of shied away from the Pelicans is because I don't think they'll be better than the Suns, um, and I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll have some some bright spots just because they got a lot of talent, but I still think they're not there quite yet. Um, and then the Sixers. I want to get excited for them, but I feel like they do this shit all the time, and it don't pan out. 
Like, I'm always expecting the Sixers to kind of take that next step. I had them going to the finals last year, but they never really kind of live up to it. Uh, they they, they kind of look good on paper all the time, but the product never really kind of comes together, at least in recent years. So we'll see if that Seth Curry pickup does a lot for them. I hope it does, but they did get rid of Josh Richardson too, who was a defender for them. So I don't, I don't know if they'll actually take a step ahead. But getting rid of Al Horford was definitely good for them. Um, and then as far as some of the teams that, that took a step back, I feel like Boston could have been more aggressive. I feel like getting Tristan Thompson inside was cool, but it wasn't what they needed. They need a, like a real post presence inside. Um, and another team who took a step back, this one might be a little obvious, but the Oklahoma City Thunder, they traded everybody away. They, they starting five might be the worst starting five I've seen in probably like the last three, five years. Mike Muscala... Fucking Darius Baisley. Uh, you know, let me not even say nothing, because I thought this at the start of last year, and they somehow made the playoffs. So, But just on paper, I feel like that starting lineup they putting out is going to be some bullshit. I personally think they're trying to take Fakay Cunningham, Oklahoma State kid. They're in Oklahoma. They kind of got that college atmosphere already. I feel like that's what they're going for. And they got all these draft picks, so even if they don't win the lottery, they're going to trade 30 of their fucking picks to move up. So that's what I see happening. Um and I think that they definitely uh, could have did a lot better than what they did. Like, I don't even know why they got the Al Horford contract. Yeah, yeah, they def- they definitely uh, shit the bed. But they, I mean, they they had to rebuild, and I feel like they got some young talent back. But the winner of the uh, off season for sure, uh, Los Angeles. Got to be the Lakers. Yeah. That. I mean, we 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 definitely uh, improved in all areas. I'm with um, you on I that. I feel like we took a step back defensively in the post. But um, offensively, the things that Marcus Gasol could do for us, uh, he's, he displayed it yesterday in this preseason game. A lot of uh, a lot of passes uh, from the um, from the top of the key uh, inside on um, a lot of guys cutting, a lot of pin downs and stuff like that. So uh, we looked really good. Um, a lot of guys was you know working really hard to get those uh, those pin downs and moving really aggressively to try to get those easy easy looks at the rim that he creates. So um, I think we improved there. Uh, we we got a. I think we got the first, for the first time in a long time, we got a, a, a ball handler that can create a yeah, shot. Yeah, for real. That's a veteran. I mean, D'Angelo Russell was able to, but he was a rookie and he was going through some stuff. He had to learn the league. But, like, actually having somebody that could just pull up from three or just take you off the dribble or pick and roll threat, like, this is the first time we've ever had that in, in a really long time, I, since Nick Van and Axel type days. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, nah, bro, um, stop playing. Y'all had Smush Parker. Bro, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. Hey, 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 we got uh Trez. That's my boy. I, I've been a fan of Trez for a minute now, so I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm happy we got him. So. Yeah, y'all, y'all definitely got a lot better. I, I say that. I think the Lakers for sure won the off season. Let's go ahead and pivot to quarter number two, and we are about to talk about some college hoops. College basketball season is underway, and so far, it's kind of been mixed reviews. We've been seeing some good, some bad. Um, The college game is a lot different. Without fans, I feel like fans is, basically fans is college basketball. March Madness and everything is all about how crazy the fans go based off, you know, the amazing buzzer beaters that we usually see. Um, But the pandemic, I mean, that's been the, the, the theme of this entire episode. COVID-19 fucking everything up. So college basketball season is underway. 
Um, not only has the season seen a lot of games be postponed and canceled due to the pandemic, um, but I feel like it's also kind of altered the, I guess, the development of some of these players in the normal schedule that they would be on. Um, but so far, man, I think this college basketball season has been like a, I wouldn't call it a fail as of yet, but it's looking that way. Yeah, it's trash, bro. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it, it was I knew I knew something was different when I was at work and I must have looked on ESPN just to check some scores and at the top of the ticker I see like wait what the season started <laughs> like I'm usually always ready for the college basketball season I've been talking about Kay Cunningham since he was like starting his senior season in high school so I was excited for that but it was just not a lot of buzz going on around it and in general even still like Kay Cunningham hit a, a game winning three the other day to to put his team over the top against Wichita State. I don't feel like I've seen it like as much as it should have been seen, you know, with a player of his caliber. Yeah, I agree. Um, but he's he a great player. He definitely, uh, he's like one of the few players that is actually keeping his draft stock high or elevating it uh, with, with uh, how to, how, so far how, how the season has went for college. Uh, I feel like a lot of players' stock has dropped uh, based on their performance. Do you even have like okay? So March Madness, I've seen I've seen something that said it's going to be in one location. They're going to have all the teams essentially in like a bubble for March Madness. But I've seen so many games postponed, and then we've seen Coach K just announced that um, what his team is not going to play any more non-conference games. So how does that even affect the seeding? It's so many different factors that I feel like are taking place in this season. To where, like, you know how we were talking about the previous NBA season having an asterisk next to it? I feel like whoever wins this college basketball season definitely has an asterisk next to it. Oh, yeah. That's that's for sure. Um, it's going to be hard to kind of do the seeding for March Madness. They may have to make some uh, some some modifications to it. They probably going to, instead of it being like 64 teams, it's probably going to be a lot less than that. Probably be like 30 or 32 yeah. or something like that. Um, it's going to be hard. And I feel like if any teams have any issues with COVID, they just go move them to the next round. And yeah. It's like lead eight, sweet 16. They'll probably wait a week or so. But, what do you yeah. think, what do you think you need, to, they need to, what do we need to see as fans, I guess, for this college basketball season to kind of be revived? Like, is there anything that can be done? Like, do you think that maybe we just need to see more exciting games? Like, what do you think could kind of revive this basketball season, so to say? Um, I feel like, you know, uh, since a lot of teams are dropping a non-conference schedule, uh, probably, like, just do some, like, random matchups, like, with teams that can actually stay healthy, do, like, a, a four-team tournament or something like that. Like the Big Ten ACC so, type thing? Yeah, bring some excitement back, because uh, uh, it's definitely, the, the season is, is, is very underwhelming uh, with what they have to go through, and it's, it's difficult because these players aren't professionals. Uh, they can't be held to a standard that professionals are. Uh, they're, they're students, and um, they, they minors. So a lot of them are they are young adults, but you know they're not really prepared to do to handle things like this in a pandemic on their own. So, not only do you have those factors working against the season, but the teams who are supposed to be the money makers, the breadwinners, the ones that bring all the excitement that you know what you're getting, the blue bloods. They've been trashed this year. Kentucky, man, what the fuck is going on down there in Lexington? Yeah, Kentucky trash, but they, they, <laughs> like, like, they for they, real. It's a young team. I feel like they got a lot of freshmen, and they usually get like some senior transfers to come over because Coach K got a lot of one and dones. Hell yeah! But this year, I felt like that was kind of an issue. 
and uh, they, it, you know, the product that they're putting out there on the floor is a bunch of inexperienced young guys that they probably couldn't prepare for the season like they normally would have. So it's definitely showing. But I think um, UNC looking real trash too. They UNC Duke looks average. Uh, Duke is trash too. Duke is trash. Garbage. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but like it looks yeah, that way. Have, in, in my opinion, they don't. They only have one player that could probably potentially make it to the NBA, and they usually got about two to three. One hundred percent. They put they put out Vernon Carey went last year. Ty um, Trey Jones went last year. Cassius Stanley went last year. That was the three, huh? Yeah, that was three. And that wasn't yeah. even a, a good year for them, really. Yeah, it was. I mean, they, they did okay. I think uh, the tournament would have helped them a little bit. I think they started to figure it out later in the season. In the beginning, they struggled. Mm-hmm. Lost to uh, SFS, SFA. Oh, Stephen F. Austin? Yeah, they lost to them. And, you know, they started to pick it up after that. But uh, Duke is trash, North Carolina. Uh, Kansas looks okay. They look they look better than the other teams, for sure. It's just having – I can't name three players on Kansas. <laughs> like, I can name the, the top recruits, but – like that, it's just it's not the same. Like I remember when I would turn on the TV in previous college seasons, and if there's top teams playing, it's NBA talent on the floor, or there's at least high level college players on the floor. And I don't feel like that's what I'm seeing so far. Um, but in terms of some players, I have seen some impressive players. Player of the year is for sure gonna be old boy out of Iowa, Garza. He is going yeah. crazy. He's trying to save basketball by itself. <laughs> He's trying to individually save the season. Yeah, he he good, but I don't think he is uh, a next level player. No, nah, he he's not. Definitely not gonna make it in the NBA. He gonna eat in college though. Bro, dropped like thirty six in the first half. I said, oh, he yeah, different. He can barely jump over a textbook, bro. He, <laughs> he got no athleticism. <laughs> and, and the jumper is it, it looked pretty solid. Yeah, he got a little face up game. Yeah, no, nah, he had a, he had a tough time against like some athletic, more athletic players when they play UNC. He, he was six for twenty, I believe. Uh, he didn't really look too impressive that game, but his team was uh, lights out shooting. One of the, one of the things too that I think, um, so like every year you got your freshmen that are that are really good, and then you have like the the upperclassmen. I also don't feel like there's a lot of upperclassmen. Like last year, you had your Cassius Winston, you had Marcus Howard, like uh, oh boy out of Seton Hall, Miles Powell. Like you had a lot of upperclassmen who were just like solidified stars. Um, I seen. I seen uh, Rocket Watts playing better. He's a yeah. this is what his sophomore year at Michigan State. Sophomore. He's played better. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl for Villanova. He looked pretty solid, but mm-hmm. it still ain't no surefire. Like, oh yeah, when he get on the floor, I know it's gonna be a show every night. I I agree. Uh, I feel like a lot of these players because of the pandemic probably went to the NBA a little earlier than they should have, and they stayed in the draft and didn't get drafted. Uh, so that's probably why we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of players. Well, we're not seeing a lot of upperclassmen uh, that are impactful on these college teams. Think about a guy at Kentucky like Ashton Hagens. Imagine if he stayed, how much different that team would look. I feel like he would have probably been an All-American guard this year, but I could imagine the uncertainty of not knowing if there was going to be a college basketball season. But still, like I think maybe when some of these guys leave, I mean, especially with Kentucky, you just assume the next one and dones are going to just be nice. But I think they really could have used a guy like him to make them at least a competitive team this year because this trio looks bad. Uh, They got potential. So far, I think the best one that I've seen on their team is Clark. He seems to be the most athletic. He's showing a lot in this game. Um, But I feel like uh, 
Boston, his stock is dropping every game. Uh, I feel like Boston definitely is better suited for the NBA, just his style of play. But the physicality of college is definitely affecting uh, how he plays and definitely dropping his stock. But I'm not really impressed by what I'm seeing by, from Terrence Clark. Like, he had one good game. I seen a game where he was under uh, double digits and, um, you know, playing as many minutes as he will be and as he, as he has been. Uh, I definitely got to see a little bit more out of him. I had a high expectation for him. I thought he was the best player on the team. But in my opinion, I think BJ is the best player on the team, aside from, like, maybe some of the upperclassmen that are not making it to the NBA. Ask you don't even look like he should be there. He he, They sat him on a bench last game. So it's, it's yeah. they're struggling for sure. Greg Brown looked like he's struggling, like, I think that this pandemic, if we kind of see it take place in the NBA and in college, like the freshman class and the rookie class both struggle, I feel like that we can kind of attribute a lot of that to the pandemic because you don't usually see them all happen simultaneously in the same year. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, my expectations for the rookies this year are not extremely high. And um, I think they've lowered a lot for the college guys too, just, just for the simple fact that everything seems uh, rushed. Mm-hmm. Everything was condensed, and um, you know it's it's kind of a lot of bad product that's being put out there, and uh, and the worst of it for sure to me, who's getting the worst of it is the NBA rookies. I feel like the NBA should have should have probably had the draft after like the finals was set, just so that these guys can get acclimated yeah. with the teams. And uh, just being that they was put in this situation, like a lot of these dudes gonna look really bad, and uh, really bad. Really blame, you can't really blame them for not knowing the offense or not knowing uh, what they're doing schematically on defense. Or like that. That's why I don't that's think. That's why I don't think you can throw a guy like LaMelo out to the fire like that, especially with the notoriety that he has. Like, you throw him out there and he start playing bad, not only does it fuck with his... Yeah, like, not only does it fuck up his confidence, but it makes it to where, like, he not even... He not getting better, you know? Like, he's just out on the fly trying to figure shit out when you can sit him down. I mean, every time we see these talented players kind of, like, not get thrown out into the fire and they kind of get some time to, whether it be from injury, to sit on the sideline and learn. Look at THT for y'all. He didn't really do, you know, didn't play much for y'all, but he was able to sit on the sideline, learn, be around veterans. Next year, look at what he's doing. Dropped 33 last the other night. So I think that time of being able to just kind of sit down and, you know, just digest the game, get adjusted to the speed, the level of physicality, like these guys are being deprived of that. And I think ultimately the product that we're watching is suffering. Yes, agreed. All right, so... We are going to go ahead and get into the sound of the week. Uh, sound of the week is going to be actually from our boy LaMelo Ball. Look, big baller brand all over the episode. So um, last night, <laughs> he uh, made, his, made his first points in the NBA preseason, so not official yet. But in the first game, he went scoreless. Knocked down his, uh, his first, first shot in the NBA, and it was from beyond the arc. Um, so the sound of the week is going to be that call where we're hearing you know, everybody go crazy for LaMelo. Finally being in the league, it's been a long time coming since we seen him score 92 in high school. We always knew this day was inevitable. But to finally see him on the NBA court, putting the ball in the basket, throwing fancy passes, it's going to be a, a, a beauty to see him grow as a player. So this is LaMelo Ball for the sound of the week. Um, and we'll see you guys in the second half as we cover the last topic of the day. Work. Somehow found Bridges. Open look. LaMelo. Right the time right there by Hayward. All fake. Step back, get behind the line. Hold a follow through, young fella. Uh, first three of the league. Yeah, I'll see you. 
Welcome back to the second half of the ISO podcast. This is the final quarter of the day. Um, we are talking about the upcoming season, so it's time to make predictions. We're going to talk about our award winners for the upcoming season. Um, on a later episode, we'll get into the playoffs because I want to kind of take some time. I want to look at the preseason a little bit more, see how some teams are looking. Um, but we can talk about some award winners right now just based off what we've seen early on, um, some new situations where players might land. Uh, we kind of know what some of the teams will look like as far as the depth chart. So I'll go ahead and start it off uh, with the rookie of the year. So when we did these uh, last episode, it's pretty much to conclude the end of last season. I mentioned at the top of the episode, we were pretty much accurate on most of them. If I didn't get them right, he got them right. But collectively, we guessed like every award. So with this one being in the beginning, um, it might be a little bit more difficult, but Right now, we'll make these picks considering everybody is healthy. So I'll start with the rookie of the year. Um, my first one, we kind of talked about in the last topic about how weird this season is and how, you know, we don't know if rookies will actually be in the rotation based off what we're seeing in the preseason just because of the pandemic. But um, the guy I'm going with is James Wiseman. I think he's in the best possible situation to succeed for the rookies. Um, he was hurt early on, but I just seen today that he came back to practice and they said he's looking good with Draymond Green on the defensive side of the ball. I just think he's not going to have a lot of pressure. I think he's going to be able to come in if he can play solid defense. If he averages anything over 10, it's going to be a bonus just because that's not the type of offense they run to where they they operate to the, the big and the low post. But if he's able to score, bring something on the offensive end, grab some rebounds, I think he'll probably average anywhere from – my guess is anywhere from 12 to 15, and I think he'll average about seven, seven to nine rebounds, anywhere in that range. Um, and I think if he does that, he'll win rookie of the year because LaMelo Ball, he's playing with two other guards who in the future he may be better than, but right now I think they're better than him. Um, I think that LaMelo Ball is going to have his struggles because I think he's going to be inefficient on some nights, um, and I think he's going to turn the ball over a lot. So with that being said, um, I think Anthony Edwards is going to have the same problems and they're probably going to have the most minutes of the rookies, aside from maybe like Obi Toppin in New York. Um, but I think James Wiseman, he's going to have the production and I think he's going to be on a team that's winning games and he might even make the playoffs. So with all those things considered, I, I think he's my rookie of the year. All right. Well, I mean, I don't think that's a bad pick. Uh, I'm rocking with uh, Melo. Um, <laughs> Nigga said, fuck that. Big baller brand. Obi Toppin uh, probably going to have the most opportunities based on the position he plays and for the team he plays for. They're, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Not going to be real competitive. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities. He might average 14 or more. Uh, he might have some big nights because the team is just that bad. But I think Melo got the the, um, the best opportunity out of the rookies because he's a ball handler. He's a point guard. Uh, a lot of... Uh, um, a lot of opportunities he's gonna have to facilitate, uh, make highlight plays. That's gonna catapult his 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 stock uh, just by making the highlights. Making the highlights 
Like they're not really going to look at the numbers. They're going to be like, oh, well, I always see LaMelo. I always see this. I always do this, 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 this. Um, so just just all the notoriety he has and that he's going to continue to get and the publicity that he's going to get with this team, I think he's going to um, he's gonna be in for a couple big nights. He's going to struggle, but I think he averages like, uh, I say, 12 to 13 points, six to seven assists. Um, like he's going to have a stronger second half, of course, once he gets yeah, in his groove. Yeah, I think so too. But um, I could see like him he either getting more minutes just based off of injury or uh, just you know him just fitting better. Uh, within the offense, so I think definitely he's gonna he's gonna win the rookie of the year just by um, the impact that he's gonna have on the game, and then all the exposure and stuff like that that he gets from the league. I think one of the gonna... one of the things working in Lamelo's favor too. So I feel like he's kind of have he's gonna have that opposite Lonzo effect in his rookie year. So Lonzo had the big season at UCLA, got drafted number two. His dad put the big target on his back, and we know what happened after that. I think Lamelo kind of coming up after. We know who LeVar is already, so people aren't really taking his words seriously to have that target on LaMelo's back. And I think a lot of people want to see LaMelo succeed. He's always kind of been popular, had over a million followers before he came into the league. Um, big baller brand in general, I feel like that that whole family, they're they in tune with the culture. Like, they understand what the people want. They know how to get the fans going. Um, so I think people want to see LaMelo win. And people still want to see Zoe win, too, but I think LaMelo is more that guy that all the NBA players have kind of been waiting for him to get there because he's already carried himself like he was in the league before he even got there. Yeah, for sure. And I just think he's just better offensively. Uh, he just got more skills. The skill set is just better offensively and more tailor-made for today's NBA. Especially with him being 6'8". Yeah, stretch the floor, get to the basket. He got a lot of creativity, uh, creative with the ball. Um, you know, he kind of like, he's going to be eventually like must-see TV. Yeah, for sure. And if that jump shot ever becomes consistent, if, if it becomes consistent this year, because he even shot it better today than he did the, the first day, I just hope he doesn't fall in love with that three-point shot. He's better than that. He can get to the rim. He got some touch going to the basket. Um, and I, I think if he if he plays as well as he can in his rookie season, of course he'll win rookie of the year because he's going to have the opportunity. I just think he's going to get in his own way some nights um, turning the ball over once he gets has to deal with that NBA defense on a nightly basis. Um, I don't think it's like anything he's ever faced, even though he's played professionally already. Yeah, he just got to work on that, that form. For that real. Form was terrible. <laughs> the first three he made tonight is like he didn't even jump. That shit like a free throw. Yeah. <laughs> Who you got for most improved? Uh, most improved? Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, – I, I was going with uh, my boy Zoe. Um, I mean, I feel like they're going to be a better defensive team because of uh, the coach. And uh, the the the, def- the defensive uh, mindset that he has as a coach, um, and he gonna get a lot of opportunities. But uh, I I just feel like this off season was short, and he didn't really get a chance to improve on some of the things he needed to work on. So I'm going with Ja. Ja oh, will yeah. make that jump from like about 17 points to about 23. This yeah, season I can see that. Make an All Star team. So my most improved player is definitely gonna be uh, Ja Morant this year for sure. Yeah, I think Ja Morant is a real good pick. I kind of thought about that too. Um, I kind of view him kind of like how I viewed Jason Tatum at the beginning of last year. Uh, He's ready to take that next step. And we kind of spoke about it off mic, but Jason Tatum being 6'10", if Jason Tatum really grew to 6'10", like they saying, bro, he going to be an absolute problem. He might not get his shit thrown by Bam when going to the rack next time if he got a couple extra inches on him. (laughs) But um, NBA Doing all they can to make Jason Tatum a super superstar. For real. <laughs> they trying to make him the most attractive piece on the market. For real. 
Well, for most improved player, I had a couple guys who I was looking at. Um, I did have Lonzo in the discussion. I feel like um, Lonzo had – he played well enough last year to where I feel like they fully committed to him being a starting point guard. Um, I know they did move Drew Holiday and they brought Eric Bledsoe in, but I don't know if they plan on keeping Eric Bledsoe long term. I feel like he'll just be making a stop and end up somewhere else. But I think Lonzo is definitely going to have the opportunity, and I think he is ready – um, Michael Porter Jr. was another guy who originally I had winning this. Um, he showed flashes in the bubble. He really improved his stock, showed he could score consistently, um, played really well in the playoffs too. He just had some defensive mishaps is why he couldn't stay in the game. Um, but we're having a whole season with him starting, or even if he, I've been watching interviews too. It seems like Coach Malone is going to let him go, but Honestly, man, with us still having Jamal Murray, who I think is also going to take a step to be a 23-plus point-per-game scorer with Nikola Jokic, I'm going to go Kobe White for most improved player. Okay. I really like Kobe. So that's yeah. A, that's a I think that's Kobe White is going to average over 20 this year. Um, I feel like if Colin Sexton could do it, so can he. <laughs> and I feel like the Bulls might challenge for a playoff spot in the East if they can stay healthy. Um, they'll kind of be in that fight with the, uh, the Washington Wizards. Um, they'll be in the mix with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, usually the Hornets are in that discussion. The Detroit Pistons, I don't know if they'll be in the discussion this year, but they're usually always in the mix for that final seed. I think Kobe White will be a key member for the Bulls this year with, a, with uh, Zach Levine also being in the backcourt to kind of take away some of that attention. So that's who I got winning most improved player, Kobe White for the Chicago Bulls. Damn, 20-piece? I, I think he's going to average 20, 20, man. But, I mean, but if he could do that and they get to the playoffs, for sure. It's for sure. He locked it up for sure, and he's Absolutely. he's in a he's an explosive scorer. He gonna have some forty point nights. Uh, I say he get close to close. I don't think he crack a forty, but he's for sure gonna have some big thirty big thirty point games for sure. Mark my words, he gonna drop forty at least at least twice this year. I think Kobe White yeah. will have a big year. Um, twenty. I, I'm gonna say nineteen. Twenty is like you 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 there. You here. Don't do that, years. bro. Don't do that. He gonna average nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know I mess with Kobe, but like that <laughs> team is too trash. <laughs> they not that bad, bro. If they're healthy, they just weren't healthy last year. They they're inexperienced and they got a new coach, new system. I, I really think that they're gonna struggle. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, but I think they're gonna be in the fight, and I think he's gonna be a large reason why they're in the fight. I feel like the East got tougher, bro. I I, I probably would have said this last year, but this year I don't know. They they was looking real bad. Uh, the first night of the preseason, and then also towards the end of the last year, they playing. They played the Rockets in the preseason. They they won last night. Or the other night, and uh, Kobe White, I think he, he had a good game. He scored over twenty that game. Him and Levine did actually. Mm-hmm. So defensive player of the year. Now this award is pretty much the same people competing for this shit every year. <laughs> it's gonna be Anthony Davis in the discussion. Rudy Gobert is gonna be in the discussion. Giannis is gonna be in the discussion. Who you got winning defensive player of the year, though? And is it any of the people I just named? Um, I, I feel like um, I, I had AD for this because like, he should have got it last year. But I feel like him and uh, LeBron not going to play as much. They're probably going to average like 20, 28 to 32 minutes a game this season. They're going to take it slow, wrapping it up. Um, so who I think is going to actually play a long season because they're so early into their careers. I feel like Ben Simmons probably going to get that. Their team is going to be improved mm-hmm. a lot. So I got Ben Simmons, uh, my my close runner up, uh, probably Marcus Smart, just because he's gonna have to do a lot uh, for his team because they didn't really do a lot to get better. But mm-hmm. so for some reason they always competitive. 
and they always a high seed in the playoffs. So, uh, but my first pick for sure is Ben Simmons. That's that's he gonna he gonna get his first defensive player of the year. I can see that happening. He just gotta stay healthy, man. He gotta stay healthy, and I think with that team. If they are competing at a high level and they're challenging for that top record in the East, he for sure could win that because he's he was having a hell of a defensive year this year before he went down. So he can he can win the award. My pick I actually went with Anthony Davis. I feel like Anthony Davis should have won it last year. I feel like his numbers are going to be pretty similar, especially without them having Dwight there. His blocks might even go up a little bit more. Uh, and I just think that the Lakers are going to be a top team again. So he's going to have the exposure. Uh, he's going to be he's going to play in those games where he's matched up against like a Giannis. You know what I mean? He's going to play in those games where he's matched up against Jokic sometimes, you know. So with him being in a national scale, he's going to have some games where he may have like five blocks. He's just going to have more moments that I think are going to be memorable when the voters come time to pick defensive player of the year. Um, and I think based off him not winning it last year when he probably should have, I think that'll kind of factor in to him winning it this year. Yeah, he's going to get some makeup votes. You said what? You think he's going to get like some makeup votes? I think so. I think the same thing will happen for LeBron too, for the MVP, if, if he come out playing a similar way. If LeBron averages 10 assists again and over 25 points, I think he'll win the MVP again. But we'll see because they got, they got a different team now. Dennis Schroeder will probably handle the ball a lot more. Uh, Trez is going to get a lot more touches, you know what I mean? So I, we'll, we'll see if he averages 10 plus assists, but... Well, I, I think he's definitely capable. LeBron could have averaged more than 10 assists his whole career, if we're being real. Yeah, I agree. Six man of the year, who you got? Uh, six man of the year, I'm going with um, – I'm going to go – I'm going to stay at the home team. I'm going to go with my boy Petraeus. I feel like uh, uh, we gonna, this, the, 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 the floor is going to be open up a lot for him. They're not going to be able to double team him because of Anthony Davis and the other threats that we have on the floor. Um, he may not average 18 points, but he's going to probably go up in his assists. Uh, his impact is going to be uh, pretty huge on his team, I believe. I think he's going to average about 16, eight rebounds, a good block or so, a couple of charges a game. Like He's he definitely going to be very impactful and it's going to be noticeable. So I think he's going to lock it up with the six-minute year. You think he play a little bit different when they play the Clippers? Uh, yeah, he's going to have an edge for sure. I mean, he always bring that edge either way. But he gonna he gonna play a lot harder when he played the Clippers and a lot smarter. Um, I feel like some games he uh, his IQ kind of go out the window a little bit and he just get lost in in moments. But more he, he gonna be a little bit more composed. I feel like AD and LeBron gonna help him out with that uh, along they, with the coaching staff. They gonna tell his ass stop hanging with Michael Beasley. That's what they are gonna tell him. Facts. <laughs> yeah, disaster right there. They gonna tell him stop hanging with Beasley for sure. <laughs> Beasley probably tell him I used to buzz Bron ass in Miami for sure. <laughs> for my six, for my uh, six men of the year, I was kind of torn between two different guys. So I know last year the Miami Heat they made the finals, and for most of the year, Goran Dragic came off the bench. Kendrick Nunn was the starter. Goran Dragic played excellent in the playoffs. He was probably their second-best perimeter player. He was their second-best perimeter player. Um, and the way that team plays, he's going to have opportunities to score. They pretty much bought, brought back the same roster. So if Kendrick Nunn starts, I got Goran Dragic as my sixth man of the year. But if he actually ends up starting Goran Dragic, my sixth man of the year is Jordan Clarkson. I think uh, Jordan Clarkson is in a perfect scenario uh, to succeed Last year, he played really well in the second half of the season once he got acquired by the Utah Jazz. Uh, he's just a scorer, 
and he's going to be on a playoff team in the Utah Jazz, and they're going to need his scoring. So I think with, with him being able to have the ball in his hands in that second unit, being able to really just get shots up without having to worry about, you know, passing, because really they just put him in the game just to score. Um, I think Jordan Clarkson can win this award for sure. I think he'll average about 17 with a full season with the Utah Jazz. He'll have some big scoring nights. Um, but ultimately, if Goran Dragic comes off the bench, I think he'll he'll be better suited to win that award because I think he'll have some bigger games. Goran Dragic played great in the playoffs. I agree. And um, I forgot uh, one of my guys for Defensive Player of the Year to throw in there uh, is Bam Adebayo. So. Yeah, for sure. Shit, even uh, Jimmy Butler could probably be in the discussion for Defense Player of the Year if they're if they're just as good as they were last year. Um, you'll have Kawhi Leonard in the mix as well if he doesn't if he plays second halves of back to backs. But um, I think with with Six Man of the Year, it's all, it's usually a guard winning it. But I, I like you having Trez picking uh, winning the award because he won it last year. I just think on the Lakers, it's going to be a little bit more heads. And I don't know if he's going to get enough touches to actually win that award. And shit, Lou Williams could even win it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Miami got to get more wins. Uh, they got to be a, a top three team uh, to get the respect that, that they haven't been getting. So get that top three seed, and they're going to get the accolades they deserve. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we are down to the final two. So coach of the year, we're going to talk about the MVP. Um, but before I get into those, if you are not following me on Twitter, Instagram, please follow your boy at hoop, hoop facts, H-O-O-P underscore F-A-C-T-S. H-O-O-P underscore F-A-C-T-S. Um, and also, if you haven't visited the Facts website, please visit www.hoopfacts.com. I'm actually going to be redoing the website pretty soon. I'm going to have a lot of new content on there, so keep a lookout for that. Um, but back into this topic, Coach of the Year. I'm going to let you go because you're going to laugh at me. I already know you. You can go Coach of the Year first. <laughs> um, I think they love to give it to, like, the underdog-type story. Um, a team that, you know, haven't made the playoffs in a long time. They don't really want to give it to a, a team with expectations. So I'm going to go, uh, I feel like my boy Frank should have got a little bit more consideration. He shouldn't have won it, but he should have been in the discussion for sure. But I'm going to go with Coach Monty Williams. Uh, He's going to get them in like that seventh or eighth seed. And um, that's going to be like a successful season for the franchise. They gonna, it's going to be their first time making it to the playoffs in some several years. So that's definitely going to be uh, the coach of the year, in my opinion. Um. Yeah, it, it, the writing on the wall. It's like set up for him to be successful here now that they got Chris Paul. They added some additions like Jay Crowder, like you mentioned, the rookie Jalen Smith, <clears throat> um, and then they got Langston Galloway. They got some. Pretty yeah, they did. Bench. So, um, I think that team is definitely on fight for a, a playoff seed, and once they get there. He's going to be coach of, the, coach of the year. I would love to see him win it, too, especially considering that tragedy that he experienced a few years ago. He lost his wife in a car accident. So to see him yeah. now a head coach, you know, to get that team playing the way they did at the end of last year, now he got some talent over there, some veteran leadership. It would definitely be good to see Monty Williams, uh, black coach, win an award like that. Um, it'll, it'll change his life, obviously, for the better. Um, I actually want a completely different route with this, and I already know you're not going to fuck with me. I got Steve Nash winning coach of the year, man. Man, get the fuck out. <laughs> Hear me out. Listen, listen, listen. So I've already listened to the I, I listened to Kyrie. Kyrie said he gonna walk back some of that shit he said. He says he said it, bro, in the interview. He said he gonna walk back some of that shit he said about them not having a coach. Cause he wasn't cool with them getting Nash at first. He wasn't on board, at least from what I read. Um but according to Kyrie, they all be lying. Just try to make him out to be some kind of evil, moody individual. But 
Um, I think Steve Nash could win it. The reason why, obviously, they got a loaded team. I don't think you. Whenever Kevin Durant is on the team, it's kind of like the LeBron effect. You automatically a contender. You got KD on your team. You're gonna be a top three team in your conference. So he's on the East. KD ain't never been on the East. So I feel like on most nights it's gonna be a cakewalk for him. No, not too many people are gonna be able to guard him. You got Kyrie, who's gonna average like 23, 25 points. They got a lot of talent. I think they're just going to be able to win most games without him having to do much coaching. <laughs> and being that it's a regular season award. Now, playoffs is different. I don't know what the schemes is going to be like. But I feel like he is a great basketball mind. I feel like they've already re- – they, they said they're respecting his basketball mind already. And that's what's kind of been winning them over. I think the only thing, obviously, that stands in the way is chemistry issues. But if – and that's a big if. <laughs> if – they don't get into any kind of clashes personality-wise, and they just playing basketball, that could be one of the best teams in the league. And with Steve Nash being the coach and them having a great record in the East, I think he can win Coach of the Year. And I feel like people like Steve Nash. Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe uh, what he's going up against with uh, having Kyrie Irving, the expectations of you know Kyrie being who he is now, uh, not a great leader, um, don't really take well to the media and their questions and stuff like that. Not really holding himself accountable a lot. So I feel like them being able to kind of get him on the right track and have him actually improve his leadership. Uh, if they can do that and they do have chemistry, um, they do have a good, good chemistry, I, I could see that. I could see Steve it. Nash is a point guard. He can get through to Kyrie. I think they'll be okay. And I think that, like I said, they're going to be one of the best teams in the East. The only people who are probably going to have a better record than them are the Bucks. Maybe the Celtics. I don't see the Raptors having a better record than them. I don't know, bro. I feel like Kyrie's personality very strong. Like I, I don't really think many people can get through him, and I don't. I, I find it hard to believe little old Steve Nash getting through to Kyrie. I don't fully um, believe that shit, man. I don't. I don't. The third eye, the third eye king, or whatever <laughs> you want to call himself. I don't. I don't fully believe that, man. I feel like Kyrie is like that with outside sources, but Kyrie has won a championship, so clearly he can. He can do it. You know what I mean? I mean, he acting like he didn't win the championship because of the help of some of his teammates. He acting like he did it on his own. Like, I, I feel like he, you know, he feel like his shit don't stink. And, what you expect? He came from the school of Kobe. I mean, it, that's not even, you know, I don't really think Kobe handled himself that way with, with you know, obviously social media has made everything a lot different. But, like, I feel like, I feel like what, what the narrative that Kobe had, uh, with the narrative that was ran about him or whatever and how he was, I felt like he portrayed something completely different within the media. And I felt like Kyrie's not doing that. Like He just being arrogant and and having these issues with the questioning and things like that, not holding himself accountable, not being a leader. Like he, I think I was going through um, where I was saying Damian, he was better than Damian Litter. He was one of the best. He was top two mm-hmm. guards in the league. And the lack of leadership and him not holding himself accountable, I think he drops himself out of that category. He's like a second-tier uh, player. I think he's going to remind y'all this year how good he is. I just think it's been a while since we've seen him playing on a competitive level because he's been hurt, um, and then he, he got hurt in Boston the way that ended. Yes, his personality rubs people the wrong way, but I think people forgot how nice Kyrie is, and I still think he's a championship-caliber point guard. We, we didn't forget. You know I mean? He reminded us yesterday uh, yeah. in the preseason. But, but uh, he, he, um, he definitely going to... Um, he, he's definitely going to have a great season, and um, he's definitely the third best point guard in the league, probably, behind Damian Lillard and Steph, Stephen Curry. 
but he probably was second, you know, after 2016. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at that. So moving on to the final award of the day, we're getting ready to wrap this episode up. MVP. I mean, I said Steve Nash is going to win Coach of the Year. Obviously, I got the Brooklyn Nets being one of the better teams in the league. KD is my MVP. I think he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. Um, obviously, there's a little bias there. It's my favorite player, but KD is on the East now. I feel like he's about to average like 30. Maybe I'll be realistic. I think KD is going to average 26, 27 this year and about seven rebounds on high percentages. Um, he's coming back from injury. And I think with him coming back from injury, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder to show like, okay, a lot of people think this isn't going to work between our personalities. But in terms of just pure talent and the way they fit on the floor, they work perfect together. They both can play off the ball. LeBron uh, played off the ball with Kyrie. They both could play as the the go-to guy down the stretch. They both can make big shots. They both can stretch the floor. And then not to mention they got other pieces there who are going to be able to kind of fill in when they don't have it going, which isn't going to happen on most nights. So I think with KD being the best player on one of the best teams in the league, averaging damn near 30 on super high percentages, I think he wraps, takes home the MVP this year. Um, I, I feel like that story is great. It's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see that. It sounds good, huh? Like, like uh, KD, uh, he's coming back from a major injury. Like, And I think he should take it slow. I don't even think he should aim for MVP. Like, that shouldn't even be in his... I don't think he's aiming for speed. it. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is just like, you know, just I'm just trying to be realistic here for him and myself and whatever. All things considered, I feel like he should just try to get through the season. I feel like giving him a 24 to 25, not setting the expectation too high for him coming. This is a major injury. Nobody really came back from this injury looking the same. So, I mean, being that he's seven feet tall, he can shoot the ball. His expectations is a little higher than everyone else's. But, like, he a skinny dude. He's not really physical. He just one of the best scorers ever. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take my foot off the gas on that one. And I'm going to just say, like, just give him 25 points. But the, the story and all of that, it would be great if he won the MVP. And I wouldn't be mad at it. But uh, it's definitely my first pick was uh, Luka. But I felt like the Ooh. team. Yeah, they the wins ain't going to be there. The wins not going to be there. I feel like they a very, very important player. Uh, me and the homie was talking about this. Uh, it's Seth Curry. I feel like he was really dangerous and a key part to, to the success that they was having against the Clippers early uh, in the bubble, in the playoffs. Uh, when Luka was struggling or when they was trying to take him out the game, Seth and his shooting was kind of keeping him within range to, to you know, try to be there towards the end of the game. Uh, so I think that them uh, not improving the roster in the ways that, that would help Luka, uh, they're just trying to help defensively. I don't think that that's going to help his case for MVP this year. Uh, I think the MVP is going to be on the Lakers, whether it's AD or LeBron, because they just I feel like they're going to win games throughout the regular season. And it's going to be the case where it's like the best team, best player type thing. Yeah, because kind of that's kind of the approach I'm going with with, with the Brooklyn Nets. Like yeah. I think KD will average the most points, most rebounds, probably be the best player on their team, and I think they'll probably be one of the better teams in the East. Because even though the Bucks are, are coming back with a talented roster, you don't know how Drew Holiday is going to fit with them. And I mean, we don't know how Kyrie and KD is going to fit, but I, I trust yeah. that more than I do Giannis and Drew Holiday. I guess should I say? I, I would trust that if I if I could trust Kyrie, but I can't trust Kyrie off the court. Kyrie on the court, one of the most dangerous, one of the best things to watch, whatever. But like him, he 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 the big reason. He's gonna be a huge reason as to as as for as far as them succeeding or or 
kind of not meeting the expectations. So you think it's all on Kyrie? I think it's all on Kyrie because KD can make it work. Like I don't, I don't expect a twenty-seven. I expect twenty-four, twenty-five-ish from KD, and I expect him to take some nights off. Like he definitely should take some nights off. Don't go a hundred right away. Save himself for the playoffs. But I think it's on Kyrie if he can stay healthy because he's never healthy, and if he can show that he is willing to hold himself accountable, buy into a system, and um, just be a better leader, then uh, I, I think that they could go far and probably have a good season. But I, as far as, like, the chemistry, like, it's a lot of parts that don't really fit well to me, um, and I don't really think they're going to be good defensively. So I can um, see I'm, not really buying, I'm not really buying uh, them being one of the best teams in the East. Like, I still think it's going to be a Miami, Philly, or, um, uh, or Giannis and them. Cap. Ain't nobody guarding them. Can't nobody guard them. And they got interior. Oh, I agree. I agree, but they got to guard people too, bro. And they ain't stopping shit. <laughs> I seen fucking, uh, uh, what's the boy name? Uh, Rudy Hachimura <laughs> give KD a, a shoulder and bang on his ass. <laughs> 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 uh, they, they have some questions because if KD got to play four and, and he, he dealing with a physical uh, capable four, he's not really stopping shit defensively. Nah, they're going to try to hide them. Yeah, so it's going to be trouble for him defensively, trying to move laterally and stuff with the, with the Achilles. So I think they should take it slow. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Well, let's go ahead and recap these before we get up out of here. Um, rookie of the year, I had James Wiseman. Um, RJ, you had what, LaMelo Ball? LaMelo, yeah. Most improved player, I got Kobe White. Who'd you have? John Morant. Defensive player of the year, I got AD. You had Ben Simmons, sixth man of the year. I got Goran Dragic or Jordan Clarkson, depending on the uh, – the, the rotations and six man of the year he had Montrez Harrell coach of the year I had Steve Nash for the Brooklyn Nets he had Monty Williams for the Phoenix Suns and MVP I had Kevin Durant and he had what Anthony Davis or LeBron yeah one of the two that yeah. makes sense that makes sense shit they wanted the same especially with y'all offense somebody somebody gonna be the one putting up stats cause they both gonna average a double double probably well, that's been another episode of the ISO podcast, episode number 31 in the books. First episode of season two. Uh, how did it feel to be back on here, man? Oh, man, it felt great, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, you know, share my basketball knowledge with everybody. And you, you know, continue to do what you do. So thanks for having me. It was fun. And uh, hopefully I can be back on here soon. Uh, let you know I was right with all my picks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and I... I'll be careful with my bets because I ain't trying to wear no more. It, it sucks, too, because not only was the Danny Green jersey bad because he played so horrible in the playoffs, but then he got he went to the Sixers, so now the shit is outdated, too. Hey, man, you, all you got to do is get a piece of tape and slap Gasol on the back of that bitch. <laughs> That's his number now? He 14? Yeah, he number 14, bro. He's straight, man. That shit is... from the NBA League store because all the other stuff like that I wanted to get wasn't like official websites, and I wasn't comfortable buying no shit from there. My shit would have, you know what I mean? It was just putting a bunch of fake websites up, so I wouldn't have, I wasn't going to do that. I had to get the Danny Green from the official Lakers store. <laughs> from the champs. You know, I had to show my support to the to the champs and get it from there. Well, you know what I mean? Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations again to you, all Laker fans, Los Angeles Lakers. Um, yeah. Enjoy. It, it sucks that y'all didn't really get to enjoy it as much as y'all should have because the, the season was condensed, but that just means y'all got to go back out and do it again. Yeah, we got to go out and do it again. And uh, if the, the guys that won the first time, if we were are to go back-to-back, they got to be a part of the celebration, too, when we do that uh, that parade. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the ISO Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Trey Crowder. Uh, this is my boy, RJ. 
we're going to get up out of here. But before we leave, let me go ahead and play the ISO Spotlight track. Um, you listen to Blast? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, so Blast, he just put out the deluxe version of his, uh, of his project, No Love Lost. Um, and the track that I'm playing from that one is called Pressure. Uh, it's one of the ones that I've been playing a lot lately. So this track, again, is from Blast. It's spelled a little weird, B-L-X-S-T. And the um, project, again, is called No Love Lost. This is the deluxe version. Um, and if you want to find out more about him, go to YouTube. You'll be able to see um, he actually has a, a couple visuals that he put together, like a little uh, storyline based off a few songs from the project. So, again, his name is Blast, and this song is called Pressure. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode. We're going to go ahead and get up out of here, but everybody stay safe. Please stay safe for the rest of 2020. We almost out of here. 2020 has been a fucked up year, uh, so good vibes. Uh, and everybody, again, until next time, we'll see y'all. Thank you for tuning in to the number one podcast for true basketball fans. And until next time, y'all, peace. Pressure, 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 keep building. I can't step less, I feel it. Too much extra to deal with. Oh, pressure, 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 keep building. I can't step less, I feel it. Too much extra to deal with. Hey. I ain't heard one bad blast song. Chevy gon' last long. He the new Nate dog. He the West backbone. I was just broke last year, now the cash gone. Back was on ropes last year, but we back on. Thought we lost hope last year. It ain't last long. Of course I've been through hell and back. Ain't no need to mention that. Ain't no need to mention me recording with my son on lap. For all the times I couldn't afford it, I gotta order that. Hey, switched to my attitude and I brought it back. I gotta show gratitude for support I had. Who would've thought in a year I'd run up a quarter pack? I'm on Zillow looking for places to pay my mortgage at. We the realest, they gotta face it, they can't ignore the facts. This is separation from basic, they know I'm more than that. Yeah, don't try to just box me in. I'm that nigga, they cannot be him. Come on, let's not pretend. Working like I got a point to prove, but I put up too many points to lose. We making boisterous moves. How many times can my voice get used? Now they tapping in for features. They was hating from the bleachers, I remember. Thought I wasn't keeping no receipts, but I remember. And I'm sorry, not sorry if I offend you. Kept a steady pace with the patience, I let it render. But now they want to taste and I'm serving greatness for dinner, I know. Ain't no limitations to the places I go. I can count on one finger how many I owe. And that's myself, nigga. I pay my debts, I want respect and nothing less, nigga. I'm a pressure killer. Pressure, 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 keep building. I can't step less, I feel it. Too much extra to deal with. Oh, pressure, 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 keep building. I can't step less.